Thanks to everybody who supported the show this week via Patreon, including Dan Lane, Alistair Harding, Ian Wilkinson, Matt Lacey, Tim Edwards, Ilya Coelia, Roland Robertson, Jamie Holland. If you'd like to support the show from $1 per episode, go to 361podcast.com slash support. Well, hang on a second. I mean, that's um, ewanmcleod.com, is it? Uh, net. Oh, it's that picture. It's that man who looks like he's just fallen out of a Patek Philippe adverse, you know? Thank you. You don't own this watch. You just look after it for future generations. That's been airbrushed, hasn't it? I just didn't did a watch on. <laughs> I meant the rest of you, not the watch. Oh, thanks. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Yeah, it's quite old. Your giant airbrushed face is staring out at me. Not airbrushed, thanks very much. There might have been some improvements. <laughs> it's not airbrushed. Though. Wow. <laughs> you stick with that message, mate. Go oh, on. That's not airbrushed. Yeah. If you were looking at the side-by-side images I've got in front of me, which is your Skype window and your website, feel the distance selling regulations might kick in. I can ask for my 14-day money back because the goods don't appear to match. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to 361, a podcast about mobile tech and the world around it. My name's Ewan McLeod. I'm Rafe Blanford. And I'm Ben Smith. This is season 18, episode 10, and this week we're talking about TikTok, great apps to help us in lockdown, and we discuss our online profiles. Chaps, how are you doing? Very well, thank you, Ben. Yes. Yeah, good to see you, Ralph Blanford. You are coming to us live from lockdown London. How are you feeling? I'm feeling very well, thank you. Yes, still lockdown. Things are opening up a bit. There was the mad rush to the pub last Saturday, which, of course, I did not partake in, but instead knocked back a high-quality orange juice. Well, I, I did think, actually, when they when they said that they were reopening the pubs in London, that you'd be, you know, sort of camped outside your local at 6am, you know, after a half a Stella. Yeah, it was tempting. Yeah. Very tempting. Well, you know, obviously, when you own your own wine cellars, you don't need to go out to drink, do you? I'm very excited that the hairdressers have reopened. It does sound a little bit like I'm going to be sort of going into a surgical theatre because the list of things that are going to happen, the, the hairdresser is going to wear a visor and gloves and I'm going to be given a mask, interchangeable mask to wear and this kind of stuff. But I am quite excited because we're now 14, 15 weeks since the last haircut and I'm beginning to look increasingly like that uh, Dulux dog that used to advertise paint over here, which just sort of hair in the eyes and fluffy around the edges. It's, it's, it's not a good look. Anyway, uh, enough about me. Ewan McLeod coming to us live from Muscat Amman. How are you? Yes. Hello from Muscat Amman. I am very well and it's uh, very hot. Well, and going to stay that way for the foreseeable future. I, I, I think so, yeah. It's th- oh, oh, I say very hot. It's only 31 on the Apple Watch at the minute, it says 31 degrees centigrade. That's quite a high only, though. The, uh, the UK is back down to a uh, passable temperature this week. But uh, I, don't, I don't know why we bother talking about weather. It won't be the same weather by the time people listen to this. So. Well, you never know. It could come round. Look outside your window. Yeah, exactly. Some weather yeah. will be happening. Yeah. Yes. You weren't as locked down as us to begin with, so life is continuing as normal for you. Are you talking to me, by the way? Yes. I'm just checking. All right. Um, well, we, we have been locked down, and um, we are still under lockdown. You can go to the shopping mall. The shopping mall is open. But there's no, there's no things to do with the children. That's still quite a, uh, a difficult one. But yep. you can actually go and buy stuff for them. So I did go and buy loads of Lego because uh, it's a summer vacation. And uh, that's uh, what the children have been doing. Again, I think I've said on a previous podcast, we like Lego in this house, but I spend most of my time standing on it by mistake rather than <laughs> by actually making it. Well, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Yeah, it's more a hazard in this house. 
All right, but this is, uh, sorry, this is episode what? 10. Of 10. Right, so this last episode of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Last episode of the season. Party. I know. I've got my non-alcoholic lager here. There very impressive. Very pleased it's yeah. non-alcoholic. That's excellent. I've got my Perrier here. There you go. I'll show you. See? Nice. Ray Flanford. Where's your high quality orange juice? What are you drinking this evening? Tap water. Tap water. Oh, just tap water. Come on. Really pushing the boat out. Do you do you put any flavouring in it at all? No. <laughs> okay, well, this sparkling preamble can't end soon enough, can it? Excellent. Well, uh, let's not waste all of our energy into that repartee. <laughs> Anyways, let's move on. You and McLeod, we talked recently, I think it was two episodes ago, about photos. You were talking yes. about photo touch-up. We have had some follow-up, some genuine, legitimate follow-up. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, so I'd like to say uh, thank you to a couple of friends of the show. Alistair Harding in particular, he had a recommendation of something called Touch Retouch, because we were talking about retouching photos and uh, really, really useful, useful recommendations. One ninety nine or £2 as he puts it. And it's just an app and all it does is photo retouch. Very, very impressive. It's got some cracking reviews as well. It really, I've just downloaded it, actually. Uh, so thank you, Alistair. That's very, very useful. It's basically, you just highlight what you don't want in a photo, and then it does its level best to try and erase it. Very good. And more affordable than the option that you found that we started talking about. There's several people. Yeah, much better. I mean, that's, 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 that's the value of the uh, crowdsourcing, right? So thank you, guys. Really, really, that's why we're asking. It's really helpful. Because this, it looks like it, it does exactly the same as the one we were talking about. That's just the one that I found. Yeah. And then, yeah, £2, awesome. Uh, great. So I've downloaded it and that's what I'll use, I think, ongoing. However, however, we also had a recommendation for Snapseed, which I completely forgot about. This came from Steve Richfield, a friend of the show, noted Symbian guru. I mean, guru, bold, italics, knows everything about cameras. You know, Steve knows his stuff. He said, hey, 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 what about uh, Snapseed? Snapseed. Easy for you That yeah. one, exactly. Which is Google's photo app that I've always, oh yeah, completely forgot about it. Very, very smart piece of software. If you also want to download, Steve, I went and got to the app store to get it. And, and then of course I already have it. It wasn't on my phone, but I already had it. So great recommendation, both uh, touch, retouch in the iPhone app store. I need to check Android. And then Snapseed, I presume is also available on Android. Great recommendations. Thank you. And uh, I think I've been on and no doubt Rafe's been on as well. And you and no doubt your invite's in the post. You should um, check out Steve Does, the phone show on YouTube and phone show chat podcast, both worth checking out if you're a hardcore mobile nerd. And he's been doing those for a very, very long time and he knows his stuff. So if, you, uh, Absolutely. if you're listening to this and enjoy that, do go and check those things out because um, he actually knows what he's talking about. But don't tell him I said that. Well, you see, that, that's the thing. No, exactly. In, in, in fairness to, to Steve, the re- reason I'm not on the show is because I, I can offer opinions. He needs people that actually, you know, have... <laughs> Steve deals, in fact. Yes, yes, yes. I really enjoy his posts, uh, particularly. Um, he's, he's been rather annoyed at iPhone recently. And that's very interesting watching his feedback. If you want to know about cameras on phones, Steve's reviews are the place to go. Yes. If that matters to you. Certainly, that's, that's who I go. I go and watch his reviews for... I actually like things. looking at the photos he chooses for his reviews. Well, he's got a cracking set of tests and um, I mean, I'm going to buy an iPhone anyway, but it helps me know how far off the pace I am. So it's good. (laughs) (laughs) We should move on very quickly. What's next? Last episode, we talked about Hey Email. Yes. Oh, by the way, sorry, just backtracking a bit. All of those apps that we just mentioned are going to be in the show notes as with all of these things. So if you're thinking, oh, I didn't get a name, don't worry, just check out the show notes and all the links for all of those things are there. If you have the same need as Ewan to retouch photos. Hey Email. Right. Yes. Did you try it out? I tried it out and I've dropped out because it wasn't oh, for me. 
Okay. Some people are scared of progress. Uh-huh. Yes. And you're, are you yeah. scared of progress? I'm not scared of process, uh, progress. Gee, what's going on today? I'm not scared of process, progress or anything. I like to have my own domain. So I have been seeing the timer, you know, the days counting down on this 14-day trial for hay. I do like it. I would invest even more into it, but I'm just, no. So I am about to delete my account. Okay, so not at the moment. No. I'm- then you're looking particularly progressive today. Well, you know, it's not just the haircut, <laughs> which hasn't happened yet, actually. It's, oh, it's looking bad. It's a good job this isn't a video podcast. No, I did. I am the nerd and I signed up for Hey. I'm really liking the reading experience. So like you, you and mm. I want a domain. I know it's coming. They've promised it before the end of the year. Oh. I watched some of the material that uh, DHH and Jason Freed, who are the two guys behind Basecamp, sort of put out with some sort of Q&A sessions and things. And I really like the way they work, which is they don't commit to anything in terms of timescales or features or anything like that, because they say, you know, we'll build it as quickly as we can. Sometimes we're going to build things that we think the market will like, not based on what they're asking, because people are tending to ask us for stuff that just makes it more like Gmail rather than this vision we've got for doing things better. However, specifically in the case of custom domains, we recognize that people need those and they're definitely coming. To be honest, right now, I'm just using it to only read email because I'm not tending to send a lot of email there because you know, everyone's still got my own email address. I find it so useful to screen out the nonsense and put it into those three buckets. I really liked it. And actually, also, sometimes I think you've got to vote with your wallet. And I like these guys and I like what they're mm-hmm. doing and I want more products like this. So it was some money. <sighs> but also now I get my email address at hey.com for life now. That's it. I've paid once. And even if I stop subscribing, that email address will always be mine to come back to if I want it. Well, I don't, does that matter? That sounds like you're, you know, post, post, post validation here. You know, it's you're, you're on some arbitrary hey.com domain. Yeah. I'm with you on that, but. It's not a reason to subscribe in its own right, but it's nice that I, I've always used my non-personal domain email for the throwaway stuff. So because with my personal domain, you could go to the domain, look me up, find me, find my details, that kind of stuff. If I don't want you to know that much more about me and I'm just filling in my name on a, you know, pamphlet or something like that to, you know, sort of give him personal details, you know, I would use my fast mail email address or something like that, you know, deliberately unbranded. So I like the idea of the, uh, of the Hay one, which is a bit shorter and easier to type. But no, it's not the reason to upgrade. The reason to upgrade is because the product's great for reading email. I've really liked it. I shall think on it. It's $99, right? Uh, it's $99 plus VAT because, of course, we're in the UK and it's a digital good. So let's not dwell on that. Mm. Well, I'm not in the UK. What is it for Omanis? I don't know. Or Omani residents. You'll have to look it up. But uh, yeah, no, it's really good. I'm really happy with it. And the screener product where you decide how each email is going to be used is better than any spam filter at the moment. I mean, they do spam filtering as well, but that's putting stuff in the right place. And a lot of the nonsense that was getting through my spam filter is just gone now. I have 175 first-time senders to review. Because I haven't. There you go. Well, that's uh, 10 fun minutes to play with. Well, I'm going to keep talking about it because I've paid for it now. So um, that's how <laughs> it's going to work. Okay. I'm also really impressed. It's like a really, really fast web app. Again, like, you yeah. know, this, it, it's not the only reason to get it, but like these guys know how to make a web app that feels and performs like a native app. Very impressed. Yeah. Two quick tweets because we are hashtag product influencers now. Roland Roberts wrote in and said, let me quote because I'm going to get this wrong. He has just ordered a Eufy, which is the smart home brand from Anchor, our, you know, one of our favorite accessory makers. Yeah. He has ordered the RoboVac G30. He said Eufy are now offering the kind of smart navigation yes. things that RoboVac oh, do. Oh, interesting. Yes. Uh, now, he hasn't ordered the new one, he said, because 
it has um, edge detection and a bunch of things he doesn't need. But I, having bought something with some smarts in it that does smart navigation and smart resume and all that kind of stuff, I wouldn't want to buy a random navigating one anymore. So it's really great that Yuffie's offering these products now because, you know, their stuff in general is pretty good. Their smart home stuff gets really well reviewed. So if you're thinking of checking them out, add them to the list. I haven't yet seen what my go-to uh, vacuum reviewer, the Robo Wars guys on um, on YouTube, make of the performance of the device. But mm. like I say, mm. if it's in line with everything else, it will be strong, to say the least. So, uh, yeah, uh, check those out. And thanks for writing in, Roland. Um, now, uh, I'm going to get the chap's name wrong. Oka Leong has written in and said, I quote... That could be, that could be O. Oka Leong as well. He's based in Singapore, which I think I should have, Probably in my time there, should have picked up some skills. You live, you hold things. on a minute. How long do you live there? A couple of years, but let's, let's a couple of that. years. Yes. Mm. He has said, Thanks for making me spend money on the MX Keys keyboard. Really lovely. He's got a top tip because he finds it a bit flat, and I actually like it because it's really flat, but it's not his taste. He's got like a magnetic keyboard stand, which he's put a link to, and I'll put in the show notes. It's this great kind of clip that you can put on your laptop and it's basically intended to lift your laptop up to make your wrists more comfortable but he's stuck it underneath the keyboard and says that works really well wow but somebody else converted for the logitech keyboards they are ace so uh, spend all your money on those oh did he say anything about the mouse he didn't no he just said the mx keys but um I, he's a man of taste and, and quality and learning so no doubt he'll follow our mouse recommendations when he needs one so uh, uh, okay and i'm sure it's oh it can't be oh come on oh car leon oh. Let us know. There we go. Sorry for mangling your name. Well, and he has written in multiple times before, and I've mangled his name multiple times before as well, which doesn't speak well to our diligence, uh, looking after our listeners. Couldn't you send us an audio so we can actually understand how to say it properly? Right. I think it's probably on us, to be honest. Look, I want to know, what do you think of the MX Master 3? Or what are you using for a mouse or trackpad? Yeah. Uh, cool. Let's, let's move on then. That's, that's awesome. It's really nice to get tweets saying, yep, yeah, thanks, these products are great and we like them. But actually, if there's any stuff you've tried out and it doesn't work for you, let's know as well. Because, I mean, obviously, I wouldn't recommend anything that wasn't working well for us, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm always interested to hear alternative opinions. A uh, really quick one. It was an annoyance and I just wanted to mention it. Whilst I'm at home, I've stopped using Safari as my main web browser. What? On I've only Mac. just started using Safari because you told me to use it. What are you doing now? He's obviously switched to Edge. What? Under normal conditions, Safari is the right answer because it, it doesn't munch battery life and there's right. a bunch of stuff yeah. like that. But I am using so many web apps at the moment whilst I'm at home for remote video conferencing, remote webmail, that kind of stuff. My use has just changed and so many of those things didn't perform well on Safari because these awful companies don't test their stuff well on Safari. So it's, it's like a degraded experience. Yeah, I've had to switch over to using Chrome. I don't like Google Chrome, so I'm using Microsoft Edge, which is based on Chromium now, just to give it a try. But that's not the story here. The one thing that I missed yes. being off Safari, when I'm sat at a desk with my laptop plugged in charging all day, so I'm not worried about battery or any of that kind of stuff, the one yeah. thing I missed was the auto-filling 2FA codes. So when you've got like a, a field where you fill in a number that's text to you, like Google yes. will text you a, a 2FA code, a sec- two-factor authentication code, Safari will grab that code out of your iMessages and will suggest it to you so you can click on it to autocomplete. And it's really slick. Like I'm logging in and out of these services all day, every day, and it just made my life so much better. And of course, Chrome doesn't have that. So I'm copying and pasting or getting the numbers wrong and mistyping Mm. them or they're timing out. And it was really irritating me. So really quickly, if you are an Alfred user, which is the launcher that I like to use on macOS, 
It's a really, really nice utility that's been around for absolutely ages, uh, done by a small UK-based independent company. I found a little helper workflow called iMessage2FA. So if you use Alfred, you can simply pop up the Alfred bar and type 2FM, I think it is, and it quickly grabs all of the short codes out of iMessage you can find and lets you paste it in quickly. I'm doing a terrible job of explaining it, but if you are thinking of switching browsers and 2FA codes are irritating you, and based on the number of people in the various Reddit threads I found, it irritates quite a lot of people that only Safari can do this, filling Mm. in 2FA codes. Check that out. It's really smart. I will link it in the show notes. We are going to need to just press stop at some point here because I heavily subscribe to the DWBD, right? Do what Ben does, right? Because he's put so much effort into these things. He has spreadsheets for, you know, what vacuum cleaner to buy, literally, for what, you know, washing machine, dishwasher and all that. So, you know, it is a shortcut for my life increasingly. Whatever he does, I'll just do, right? Um, you are the odd but, one out, by the way. You and everyone really? has spreadsheets when it comes to buying decisions. So I think two out of three, good sample size there on this podcast. So you're exactly. the weirdo. I have got some spreadsheets for buying things, but it's just quicker to do what Ben does, right? 66% of the people questioned said they use spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Alfred, very interesting, but I think we need to do another episode soon where you can yep. just te- I want to know all these things that you've gone and found, and then I can install them. It's verging on the creepy now. Well, on my website, actually, we're a bit ahead of ourselves here, but on my website, bensmith.uk, yeah. one of the only blog articles I've ever written is a list of all the utilities I install on a Mac when I start to use it. And I bet like 90% of them, you will just say, oh yeah, I always install those too. Like they're really obvious, <laughs> but Alfred is one of them. It's a brilliant launcher. You can map it to a keyboard shortcut right. and pop up a taskbar. You can type the name of an app. You can type a search term that you can go off on Google. Actually, the thing I use it for most frequently is an instant calculator when I'm just trying to do, you know, sums in my head and I just need to check them rather than firing up calculator, just hit the Alfred shortcut, pops up the bar and then just type in the sums in front of me straight away. So it's, it's a fantastic utility. Any self-respecting Mac publication has recommended it for years. It's years and years old. I mean, it must be, come on, Rafe, help me out here. 10 years at least. Oh, at least, market. yes. What, yeah. you, wait, wait, wait. Are you a user of this as well, Rafe? Yes, I am. And, um, oh. Okay, right. One half of the Alfred team goes back to kind of the early days of mobile blogging there as well. So, um, yeah, there's a personal connection. So, thoroughly recommend Alfred. Right. I'm getting that. I'm getting that. Okay. We'll come back to Alfred in a future thing. But if you are already savvy and using Alfred, which all our listeners will be, there's a great two factor authentication workflow, which is really handy. And it just quickly grabs those codes out of iMessage, which is brilliant. I found that today. Love it. Okay, you, McLeod, last bit of follow-up. You've put yes. something here in the notes about watches. Say more, I love watches. Yes, well, I think this might be aimed at you then because I did ask for any questions before we started recording and DSB18, I don't know his name, David, uh, DSB, so forgive me, I don't know your name, but DSB18 has said, I would like uh, your view of the Apple Watch fitting into the mechanical watch world. Is that a topic? Yes. You know, yeah, is that an actual topic we need to look at? So that's a topic we'll come back to. Can we do it? Yeah, can we do a 20 second then? Can we do a, you know, what, what are you thinking? Well, so I think the reason it's an interesting question, which I think is the, what we should talk about here, is if you like mechanical watches, either because they're beautiful or they're interesting to you, or you like the variety, which are, you know, not the only reasons, but some of the reasons people like to wear them, then mm. certainly one of the things that stops me taking my Apple Watch off is that all of a sudden you lose the utility of having notifications on Mm -hmm. my wrist, having reminders on my wrist, having step tracking on my wrist. 
even knowing that I can leave the house and I can pay for stuff because all the supermarkets here in the UK accept Apple Pay and most of the transit providers will accept Apple Pay as well. I could literally just walk out of the house and Mm. do stuff. And so I have a few, I'm not many, but I have a few mechanical watches that I wear less than I'd like to because... They don't have that, yeah. There are some things that I would lose out. So I think that there is probably a way, and I haven't really worked it out yet, and so we will come back to this, but there is a way to say, you know, oh, right, today I'm going to wear mechanical watches instead, and that could be having smart attachments that go on the, Mm. the strap that some companies make. Some people wear a mechanical watch and a fitness tracker as well. Yeah. You know, on a belt or something like that. So we'll come back to it, but that's a really interesting topic. And the thing is, the Apple Watch keeps getting better. So just at the point where I think, I don't want to wear this anymore, it does something new. And I think, oh, I'll I'll keep it And I think they're a nice issue. It's actually not a watch for most people. It's a Mm -hmm. kind of multifunctional device. I certainly don't really use mine very much as a watch because I'm often in front of a computer or something, glance up at a clock elsewhere. Whereas mechanical watches... Uh, still very much I can like a fashion and a personalization statement and that's the boundary between the two or the way that kind of watches are kind of not watches anymore is maybe something we'll come back to in the future and that reminds me actually so someone I know privately offline who listens to the show contacted me the other week and said why don't you talk about fitness trackers that aren't the Apple watch I want to know what you think you know how Mm. they fit in Mm. what should I buy what should I use um, that kind of stuff. And I think that's a great question because I think when we've talked about fitness tracking that we personally use, we're all Apple Watch wearers and we sort of stopped at the end of the Apple Watch conversation and there's a ton of other stuff. So we will come back to that. But I just wanted to use that as an opportunity to talk about something we're going to do next season. So this is the last episode of, of season 18. We'll have a week or two off just to regroup, let Mark have a lie down in a darkened room and a, a lemonade or something. And then we're going to come back and next season, we'll do some regular conversational episodes, but we're going to try and introduce a few episodes of a new format. And the format is one question, three answers. And that's where we're going to pick out some of the best questions that we've had on Twitter or by email, you know, nice chunky topics. And we're each going to give our view on that subject to try and answer that person's question. And so that question around what fitness tracker should I get? could be one of them and we could talk about you know how do you track fitness and what do you wear Mm. smart devices if you like mechanical watches under that guise as well so if you've got any questions that you want us to answer particularly ones where it's not cut and dried yes or no like you you know you'd like to hear a variety of opinions and things one of the key rules of the new format is that we can't agree so even if all three answers are good ones we're going to have to give you three options in every case so we let you have a bit of a diversity to choose from Anyways, we should uh, move on to talk about some actual content. So this week, first up, we are going to talk about TikTok. So we said we were going to... um, Use it, yes. Yeah, use TikTok, do a TikTok challenge for 361. We were going to try and give an informed opinion and you mocked me for... I did mock you for, for going to the flipping website. What you were you for thinking, the website Mr. And for being disinterested in it. So <laughs> serious face on for a moment. Yeah. We've decided to stop. We're not doing that. And not just because I was right about everything that TikTok is, but right now, how can I put this politely? Right now. And do put it politely, right? For legal reasons. <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. Right now, the three of us don't feel comfortable recommending TikTok. And Rafe, can you just give a, a, a sort of a, a 30 seconds on the news and where we're at? And I think it's worth pointing out that most of the concerns that we're about to talk about are allegations and and unconfirmed at the moment. But it's one of those things where the allegations are serious enough and TikTok is trivial enough 
in terms of the value it gives, our judgment is hold off. But where are we? Let's backtrack a bit. I think you can probably divide this into two bits of news, one of which is people have been talking about what is described as security analysis or application breakdowns to see what it's doing. And there's some that is sort of fairly indisputable from basically using kind of a proxy to listen to what's being sent. And essentially, there are various comments around things like data being sent to Facebook and AppsFlyer and servers in third-party countries, all of which are passing off PII, kind of personally identifiable information, to an extent that you don't usually see from an app. And this happens in lots of apps, so this is not kind of a scare message. But TikTok has been identified in being particularly aggressive in the amount of data it sends and where it's sending it, such that there are privacy and security concerns being raised. Some of the things that are probably more verging into allegations, or I think it would be fair to say we can't prove, is that some of that is deliberately being obscured or being encrypted to kind of hide what they're passing on. And then there's been various bits of news around this. An example is TikTok copying things onto the clipboard every three seconds in iOS, which was revealed by the new privacy and security features in iOS 14. So there's that that kind of general feeling that they are giving up a lot of data. It's going into servers, sometimes in China, sometimes elsewhere. Certainly partner companies like Atsuar and Facebook at a level that would probably lead us to be a bit uncomfortable. And then the kind of allegation bit is what's happening to that data? Where's it being passed on to? I think there's a second theme that's also going on, which is much harder for us to assess, but it is changes in government policy with the US identifying it as a cyber terrorist threat and not being allowed on US Navy devices, for example. Something similar happening in India. That's more to do with the China-India politics that is going on right now. But there are gathering amounts of news and evidence that gives concern. And, you know, the US uh, Secretary of State has talked about possibly banning it. There's been conversations about that in Hong Kong, Singapore, elsewhere. There's been news about how TikTok has collected data on people under 13, having to pay FTC fines. The privacy page saying that it aims to collect as much data as possible, and that includes metadata, GPS location, contact information, and, and, and. So there's been this barrage of things. And certainly some of the evidence that we've sort of seen or assessed, I think, gave us all a bit of a pause of concern. And we were treating it as a slightly light topic. And don't get me wrong, like there's still something we should be looking at and be concerned here. It's still being used by 1.5 billion people. It's the fastest growing app to get to a billion. No, it's a properly big thing. But you, hold on, you've got to be careful. 600 million of them in India have just been switched off. Well, I mean, so there's a whole lot around that. So I think what we're going to do is give a bit of a pause. We will probably revisit this in a future episode. But because of this concern, right now, we don't really want to go, yeah, go ahead and have a play with it because there's enough of a concern to make us pause for thought. And some of the allegations around the obfuscation and those sorts of things may be unpleasant business behaviour, but Mm, absolutely may not be a reason not to use it. I think the particular concern I had was, and again, it's been talked about more widely, but, but triggered by some conversations around iOS 14, which reports in much more fine detail what apps are doing that might be challenging to privacy. Because Obviously, iOS apps exist in a sandbox, so most people, myself included, assume that that keeps you safe from data outside of that app being stolen because of the sandbox and the app review process and all those things that Apple makes a big play about. But of course, loads of apps 
can quite legitimately access your clipboard whilst you're using them because how else would they read and write to the clipboard for doing clipboard tasks? Mm. But of course, when something's accessing it as frequently as Rafe said, it looks more like it's sniffing for things like passwords, for example, or other text that you might have inadvertently left in your clipboard. And you have to start thinking that the risk of data that you happen to have in your clipboard being extracted and used in some way is much higher. And so, mm. yeah, that, at that point, it begins to feel a little bit uncomfortable. And of course, whilst TikTok has to abide by the rules of the jurisdictions it operates in, in the places where they supply the apps, it's quite hard to know what's happening in the back end. Because once the data has been removed to another country, it's actually alarmingly hard to know actually what's happening with that mm. data. And you know, you've got 1.6 billion people's worth of data being sucked back in. And of course, I think whilst you know Facebook and Twitter and firms like that haven't by no means behaved well and still have plenty of reasons to criticise them, I suppose perhaps living in the UK or you know, spending most of our lives here, we're used to the idea of understanding the institutions that would challenge them. So when they're found to do something wrong, we understand what frameworks and legal processes would kick in. And those don't exist in the same way in China, which is not to say that they're not there, but they don't always operate in the same ways. And they certainly don't share the same kind of values and priorities that we might have. And like I say, you know, that's when we just say, actually, for what it does for you, I would hold off for the moment. I installed it and I didn't really get much value from it. I mean, I was saying to you uh, and Rafe off air last week, it felt like watching the awful bits of the auditions for Britain's Got Talent over and over again because you know these poor quality homemade videos that seems to very quickly escalate into stunts or kind of showing off or that kind of stuff. They weren't entertaining and they weren't quality. They were just sort of eye-catching. I suppose it's like the video equivalent of clickbait, basically. And so, you know, I know lots of people have found things they enjoy about TikTok, but I'm far away from thinking that dance routines or entertaining music are worth the privacy risk. You can just use the website. Well, I'm not even going to bother doing that <laughs> after the slagging that I got. But now do you think that perhaps going to the website to understand what TikTok is was a better shout than uh, just blindly installing the app? <laughs> Which um, under peer pressure I did. So, I mean, I don't have much of a leg to stand on. Yeah, no, no further comment then. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We haven't got much longer left on this, but just curious. So... We're saying for now, give TikTok a miss. How should people make this decision for themselves, Rafe? Let's depersonalize it. Let's say someone's friend or child is saying to them, is it okay to install TikTok? Is it good? Should I do it? Where are we on that? I think that's difficult because, as you said, a lot of this is unproven. And I'm not sure most people give care and consideration to the things that we've um, been talking about. But I would suggest that the pattern of behavior, and if you want to go and read about this, we'll leave some links in the show notes about some of the stories that have been coming out, lead to you know, a pattern of concern, and you will have to make your own decision on this. And I suspect a lot of it will depend on whether you're already an existing TikTok user and you may not want to back out of that community in the same way. And I think I have to be honest here, like there are a lot of apps that trade off data and stuff to give you something for free. That's how the economics of them work. And TikTok has definitely been more aggressive in advertising, particularly in China, but that's starting to be a lot more present in other markets as well. And so we've talked often about the value exchange, and I think that's the way you make your decision on this. If you think you are going to get sufficient value out of TikTok, then you need to think about that. 
but you probably need to educate yourself to what you're giving up. And I think what we're suggesting here is we can't assess that very well, but the inference is it's probably more than is from most apps and we can't give you good advice because there's a certain amount of opaqueness and invisibility. And what we would usually fall back on was saying it's in a jurisdiction where we are satisfied that they are following most government policy and regulation doesn't necessarily apply in this case. Final thing in terms of trying to be helpful here, what I'd say is that we're having this conversation because of iOS 14. The research was taking place, the criticism was pre-existing. If you're going to use apps like this, get them on a device with the latest operating system installed. And when the new ones come out, both iOS and Android, upgrade. The place where the privacy protection is going to take place is locally on your device. And the best way to do that is to use the controls that Google and Apple will give you. And it doesn't make you safe, but it will increasingly make you better informed about what's going on. Can we just bring a tiny bit of balance, just a tiny bit of balance, in that if you do go and do some searches about um, you know, copying of clipboards, Reddit and LinkedIn reportedly also are taking copies of your clipboard. So yeah, I think this is an issue that it's really good that Apple are highlighting it. I was quite surprised that this was possible. I know, of course, you have to access a clipboard, et cetera, et cetera, but yeah, every three seconds or, or the like. Mm. But yeah, a little bit of balance. I think if you want to use it, that's perfectly fine. But I, I think if you've got anything sensitive on your phone, and uh, you know, I think uh, a lot of us you know, will be using cut and paste in passwords. And I, I don't use that because I've got the uh, dash lane. I know you use one password, so it skips the yeah. clipboard for passwords. But it, it is an issue, something to be aware yeah. of. Yeah, and, and, and that's not to suggest that TikTok are uniquely bad in this, but that, uh, in combination with everything else, is enough of a problem. And uh, yes, uh, Reddit and LinkedIn have their own uh, problems. LinkedIn product is uh, something that aggravates me on a regular basis, but that <laughs> is for another show. <laughs> okay, Ewan, moving on to a segment that is clumsily entitled Stuff That Matters More, Now We're Home. We've been talking yes. about how our behaviours changed because during lockdown, but also now even lockdown sort of being relaxed a little bit, but mm. still, you know, life is different. There's things yes. we're not doing. Life has changed. Yes. And we are just reflecting on the things that we were doing differently now. And you kicked it off. So tell us about the, mm. uh, the way that birthdays are happening. Shame a cloud. Yeah. So it's just an interesting reflection on normally, I think we would have been back in the UK for um, my son's birthday and there was a big plan. It was his 10th birthday. And we had all, all that planned, but of course we weren't back in the UK seeing friends, family, and so on. So my wife found this thing called Kudo Board, K-U-D-O Board. And it's an online tool to gather a group and send appreciation. And so basically it's, it's like a, a notice board, a private notice board. Uh, you get a, an individual link and uh, it's, it's free to use, but you, there is a premium option. And we used it for Archie's birthday. And we, we sent to all uh, friends and family. And because we've been living abroad, he's got, we've got quite a lot of people that, we, that he knows. Friends have now moved all over the place. So we sent the link to the Kudo board saying, hey, look, Archie's birthday is coming up. Please, could you submit either a photo or a video with a little message? And you can do it straight from the, the phone uh, web browser, which is really, really convenient. And it works beautifully. Really, really nice. So, of course, we would, we would never have thought about it. We wouldn't have needed this, uh, I don't think, at all. We'd have maybe got one or two videos from friends and family abroad and played it to him. But actually what we ended up doing on his birthday, and we had a whole lot of videos and photos submitted from all of his uh, friends and family, just saying happy birthday, et cetera, et cetera. We actually showed him that 10 o'clock in the morning and just said, look, we've got a surprise for you just because it was his 10th birthday. And uh, he sat and watched every single video uh, and he got quite emotional, which is really, really nice. It's a great tool. Actually, it's a rather interesting service developed by a teacher 
who wanted to, to, to help people just give, give appreciation. So it's used by a lot of classes. And one of the benefits, if we were using it properly, the way it's been designed is you go in and everyone contributes, say, yeah, hey, have a great you know, life you know, at the end of school, for example, by a particular date that you define. Oh, it's like a yearbook kind of thing. A little like bit like that, yes. Yeah. messages, yeah. You can say, hey, great and lovely to me. I lo- lovely knowing you or whatever. You, you, you send your photos in, and then on a particular date and time, it then prints all that and sends it to you. So it prints it all into oh, one cool. big thing and sends it to you. So you got a big poster. Really smart idea, but that wasn't relevant to us because we, we, we majored heavily on videos. Everyone sent video greetings. I think two people did photos, 25 people did video. But it, yeah, really, really smart tool and highly recommended. I think we paid $15 or something to... Again, I did, as, as you say, with Hey. I voted with my money there to say, great product. And we, we got lots of value out of it. Yeah, I can really relate to that because we had Nan's birthday last night. We did a, a group FaceTime and you know sang happy birthday. And everybody at all ends of the group call had cake that they'd bought. And it was this silly thing that reminded me, yeah, as you say, like we would have physically been there under normal circumstances. Mm. And so now just a call on its own isn't enough because... We're missing out on the photos we would have taken of the kids with the grandparents at the same time. We missed on capturing those memories. And also we did a bit of planning ahead as well around making sure that everybody had cake and their respective houses and candles so we could all join in. But things like Kudo Board are great because they're kind of helping us have some permanence in what otherwise would have just been like a fleeting kind of a video call or something like that, or a FaceTime or or an email or something. What we found was particularly interesting is everyone who was submitting videos were really enjoying watching the videos as well. And uh, it's not just for birthdays. You can use it for farewells, you know, if you're leaving, uh, work anniversaries, get well soon, retirement promotions, that kind of thing. It's a really smart idea, really smart. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, there's been uh, group greeting cards for a while and they've been doing the rounds at the office for people's birthdays and things like this. That's an added level of immersion, which feels quite on point to all the video calls and everything else that's going on and the more bandwidth that we have available. So, yeah, it's great to see those things come up. Rafe Blanford, what matters more to you now you're at home? Mm. Duck animal husbandry websites and things? Well, I mean, isn't that true of everybody, to be quite honest? Mm. I was a little bit perturbed by the amount of feedback I got that people suggested that having a pet duck and posting on Instagram wasn't really standard behaviour. I mean, there's lots of cats and dogs of Instagram, so I don't really see why ducks of Instagram should really... Anyway, um, the thing that I've been thinking about actually is we talked about screens and we talked about Netflix and Disney Plus, and by the way, current recommendations would be Athlete A on Netflix and Tales from the Loop on Amazon Prime. But actually, honestly, the thing that I've been wanting to do is get away from the screen a bit because I've been spending more time in front of them because actually the commute time kind of disappears Mm. into screen time. But probably more to the point, you don't have that break where you step away from the desk and go and interact with people. And so, you know, for certain types of work, staring at a computer screen all day has become a thing. So I kind of wanted to find a way of reading things that I've done Kindles and done paperback books. But I found myself wanting some shorter form, relatively easy to digest content. So I've actually ended up subscribing to a few additional magazines and using that as a format because you can kind of read it everywhere. If you go out for a walk, you can take it with you very easily. And there is something quite nice about paper. This is coming from someone who had done most reading on a Kindle, and I still do that for fiction books. Do they still make magazines? Yes. I mean, I know that sounds like a facetious question, but... It's still a thing, apparently. Yes. I know there are the ones you'd see in the supermarket, but I presume you're not buying those. You know, crosswords and country living are not your thing. Well, no, wait, 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 wait. Hold on a minute. Hold on. Wait, wait. I saw this on the content plan and thought, right. Okay, so I've done some research. 
Okay. And you can play along at home, listeners. Mm-hmm. This doesn't sound great. While we try and guess, what has he subscribed to? No, the game here, oh, no, 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 no. No, no. We're, no I'm going to be very sensible, okay? No. These are all sensible suggestions, okay? Thank you. Ben and I are going to play. Ooh. Okay, I've actually got a list. I've actually genuinely got a big long list, okay? Okay. What did Mr. Blanford of the Blanford Estate subscribe to? <sighs> I've no idea, okay? Ben, I'll go first, okay? And, but I've got a long list. Yeah, right? Of course, of course. I knew you would, yeah. Well, you, you can go first if you want. No, no, no. Okay, all right, right. Age before beauty. Uh, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Monocle. No. Ah, oh, okay, that was my top one. Now, for people who don't know, Monocle is, how can I describe it? Hipster magazine for Hipster. people who are cool. It seems to me to have lots of articles about urban planning, <laughs> obscure Japanese products that you should own, and personal grooming. And I have enjoyed reading it, but it's not quite my thing. All right, so that one, okay, right, go on, Ben. All right, so I'm going to say then Country Living magazine. I, that's one I happen to know exists. Oh, well, I suppose that's one up on Horse and Hounds, but uh, no. I kind of thought my co-host knew better, but no. Okay, so that's naught out of two. Um, right, okay, The Atlantic. No, naught out of three. Uh, the Economist. Not subscribed, but I have been buying it occasionally. Okay, Ben? So I'm going to cheat slightly and think back to previous week. Now, I wish I'd paid more attention. You'd said something about slow news, Rafe. So there is some... Yeah, yeah. okay. Ben gets top marks. Whoa, come on. What's... What's it called? It's called delayed gratification. Delayed gratification, yeah. And it comes out quarterly. Okay, fine, fine, fine. Unfortunately, it never arrives in the post, does it? Well, <laughs> I've just got a new magazine and uh, it basically reports in the self-described way the news three months after the fact so it looks back to the previous quarter All right, okay national geographic no you if you want to go like and do two or three more and i'll just say no to all of them and then we can go to the ones i've actually subscribed and maybe have some useful content uh vogue no i put that in as a joke prospect no readers digest no oh, what about the field no uh country small holding no <laughs> carriage driving no but I like your thinking. Discover Britain? No. Railway Magazine? Really? <laughs> no. Wait, Country File? No. Country Life? No. Wired Magazine? Yes. Yes! Come on! I got one. Yeah. I've got one. Okay, right, wait a minute. So the, the ones I actually want to talk about... I'm only halfway through my list. Yeah, uh, it wasn't great content. <laughs> Pop Short Quarterly, which is short form poems and writing, if you're into that sort of thing, it's a great way to explore new authors and things like that. Offscreen, which is a design and technology magazine. Its subheadline is the human side of technology. It goes through interviews, profiles of people, big thought pieces can really recommend it. And then the final recommendation is more of a collection of talks. It's called Batch Stage Talks. Which I think it's now in its third volume. And it's a way of getting insight from the serendipitous conversations that happen at the back of tech and design conferences. And it's then written up in a kind of format that's easily digestible. So recommend all three of those. And uh, we'll put links in the show notes. What about you, Ben? What have you been adopting as a result of being at home more? So we are incredibly tight for time. So I'm just going to introduce this app and then we won't talk about it in depth and we'll, we'll move on and we'll perhaps come back to it. But I just wanted to flag uh, actually something that I haven't used, which is slightly cheating, but is in the vein of what I've been doing. So I've been doing loads of video conferencing and I bought and paid for an app called ManyCam. 
And it's just a utility that sits between your webcam and the video conferencing app that you use. You can use it to clean up the colors, uh, zoom in the picture on your face. You can, if you want to, add graphics and overlays and those sorts of things. Some people use it for streaming so that they can create like a TV style layout if you want to. But actually, I just use it as a way to get my webcam more useful to me. Because if I'm sitting in a slightly dark room, rather than having to have loads of lighting, I can just turn the brightness up a little bit. It also does better blurring and that kind of stuff in the background than uh, some of the built-in camera functions. So really liked that. And I've just been playing about with how to use that most effectively. And today I learned about a new app called Mm-hmm, which is M-M-H-M-M dot app. Mm-hmm. And the reason this is notable is, first of all, M-M-H-M-M. it's being uh, launched by Phil Libin, who was the chief exec of Evernote, an app that I used to love and are rapidly falling out of love with. But he was chief exec during the glory years when it was a very innovative and exciting product. And essentially, it's a real app for the moment, which is it recognizes that because we're spending most of our day on video calls, that simply having a big picture of you and your spare bedroom or your living room or wherever you might be doing your video or a screen share, which is the two kind of options that most video oh. apps, most conferencing apps offer, was too limiting. So this lets you combine pictures, graphics, slides, images, you as a cutout, and you can either be just full screen in there talking away, but you can then also sort of move yourself off to the side and then say, oh, here's a slide I wanted to talk to you about. And you're still in the picture, but you can zoom down small. It's effectively, it's almost like a sort of a, a live video production app that then that graphic is then shared over Skype or Zoom or whatever thing would normally access your webcam. It's incredibly clever. and I'm not doing a great explanation of, of what it's for, but essentially what it does is recognizes that there might be something in between mm. all screen share and all video and that you might want to mix it up and actually also might want to be fun. Like we're not always presenting a pitch. Sometimes we're just talking to colleagues and we just want to share a picture or have a graphic or whatever. And so it's fun, it's lighthearted, but it's also intended to be used for business calls and that kind of stuff where you might be talking to someone. So if we were doing this call, for example, and I wanted to show you a picture like Rafe's latest duck Instagram, I wouldn't have to go, oh, I'm here, I'm going to post the link in the chat. Yes. In the chat. I would actually just be able to pop it up over my shoulder and drag it around. And because I'd be able to see a preview in front of me, I'd be able to make sure that my head was in the right part of the frame and the picture was in the right part of the frame as well. Go to mhm.app and you can see a really interesting preview video. I love it. It's still in beta. It's in private beta at the moment. So I've asked for an invite to try it out. The demo video is fantastic. And I like the explanation of the name. Uh, Phil Libin says it's important to have a product that people can say when they're eating. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Which I think is just brilliant. I think that there is going to be lots more apps like this that sort of do smarter stuff around making video conferencing more human. Because right now it's been a very boring businessy kind of thing. And, you know, lots of us are going to spend a lot more time doing video conferencing, even if we do return to the office to, you know, save on international travel and things. And the number of people I know whose offices are being shut permanently, it feels like, you know, there is going to be a bit of a permanent shift in what and where we work. Anyways, we're massively over time on that. Check it out. We'll come back to that topic in the future. Last topic of the day, we've been talking about personal presence online. Uh, Rafe Blanford? Yes. Yes. Um, Yes. Maybe another topic? No, not another topic. So rather than just beating you up, which is, it's coming, but you know, brace yourself. (laughs) We wanted to talk about how people represented themselves online. And we've all got our own 
personal websites? I do, yes. Yeah. Well, I know I know Rafe Blanford does because I've got it in front of me and it's like yes. stepping back through a portal into the 1990s. Just coming to say this is chief product officer of one of Europe's leading digital agencies. Yes. Okay. Um, Just saying. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The thing I enjoy about RafeBlanford.com, which I advocate everybody visits, is both the single largest piece of text on the page says RafeBlanford.com, just to reassure me that I'm in the right place. And then secondly, the list of preview icons for linking to sites, many of which no longer exist. It really is a tour de force, Ralph Lanford. Uh, can you just walk us through some of the design decisions you made when you were picking out the aesthetic here? Mm. I think I was trying to go for something clean and simple. Is that Verdana, Rafe? Is that Verdana? Probably. I think it is. And yeah. it was mobile friendly, which given that it is probably 15 plus years old, it was sort of fully responsive and all of that. And was trying to be with it, but yes, just HTML. You mean right? Yeah, yeah. I haven't actually updated in a while, and yes, that is an Ovi logo. Nokia's kind of effort to do services and Flickr. That would be the effort to do services that was shut down nine or ten years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then Jaiku. Remember Jaiku? That was that was. I was hip, <laughs> but that was quite a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, I think there are legitimately big people who are listening to this who don't know what Jaiku is and possibly weren't even born when it was around. But it was a, let's, let's be polite and say that it was a precursor to Twitter, which did quite a lot of things better than Twitter, but then got bought by Google and ruined and then shut down, which is their MO in most yep. cases. Rafe, did you use Dreamweaver to create this webpage? No, I didn't. This I distinctly remember hand coding, probably really? using Notepad. Nothing that Rafe Blanford produces on the internet isn't hand coded. You should know that. You're including, you know, the, the engine behind all of his websites. But it does include one of my very favourite photos, which is myself and Echo the dog on Marlow Sands in Pembrokeshire. The photo is the one redeeming quality. Yes, but let's move on from from critiquing. Can your I just website. say it's Trebuchet MS as the font he used? Ah, oh, one of my favourite throwback fonts. It's there nice. we go. Right, but actually, there is an interesting point to this because. So many people have social media accounts, and if you search on Google, that's often the thing that comes up. Is that kind of good enough? Um, and I know it's not because my esteemed colleagues have actually taken their own attempts at this. Mm. You and I think you're using about me. That's right. And what was your thinking there? Well, I just wanted something more professional than just you know, allowing Google to just say, you know, throw up my Facebook or my Twitter or so on. And I didn't want to go and hand code a website. I didn't want to have to throw up a web server. I just wanted it done, simple, easy. So there was another service I was using. I can't remember the name, another one-page profile website. And then it went out of business. And then this one, about.me, was still going. It was the one that was mentioned on all the various websites saying, oh, this one is shutting. You should probably use the only alternative at this point was about.me. The only just realized it is $8 a month. And I do remember very, very annoyed having to pay $8 a month because I think that's overcharging quite dramatically for what it is and what I need. And then only just earlier, Ben said, oh, um, have you not heard about Card, C-A-R-R-D, which I had not heard of, but thanks for telling me, which is $19 a year, $19 a year. So I think I'm moving to Card, although I would very much welcome any other suggestions for any of these profile websites. So my view, Rafe, I think is you should have a professional website that you're controlling. So if anyone wants to know about you, anyone visits your website and there's nothing else on it. It just says, hi, I'm you and contact me, blah, blah, blah. But I I think it's important to control that on the web. Ben, what do you use? I have a blog. So I use Ghost, which is a blogging engine. It's fine. I don't love it. 
I started off using WordPress, which was, you know, one of the most popular blogging engines on, on the web. And the trouble is to make it do anything, you install a plugin and then the plugin breaks something else. So then you install another plugin to fix the thing that was broken and then that doesn't work. And then mm. you want to add comments and that doesn't work. So then you fix an, another plugin. All WordPress sites, unless you are a sort of a professional, um, you know, a, a professional maintaining them, look to me like the um, sort of Homer's car, if you remember the Simpsons episode where he just keeps sort of bunging things on, uh, you know, increasingly mm. ridiculously, and they, they sort of become this unwieldy mess. So I use Ghost. I mean, I actually don't write on the blog very often, but it just gives me a nice static web page to say, this is me, this is how you can contact me, here are my social media profile, you know, this is a little bio. And in the past, if I've done a presentation or a talk or something, I've put up a static page with you know, details of you know, downloads or links to the presentation or something like that. So I also like having you know, my own name and I bought my domain name. So I'm bensmith.uk, which took me a long time to get. But some other things, perhaps for people who are not wanting to spend even less time futzing about with websites than I did, there's a nice iOS app called Universe, which is a website builder and it actually lets you build simple websites on your phone. I thought that was really cool. I tried it and actually it works very well. It's particularly good at making websites that work on mobile devices. So if, you, if you're a mobile most user, you could try that. Another thing I tried, you know, I, I really like Notion, which is a kind of a mm. productivity note-taking app. I'm just using it for keeping work notes and personal organization and, and little to-do lists and those sorts of things in. But one of the things that has become a bit of a trend is people building services that wrap around it so that you can publish individual pages like you can with Google Docs, for example. You can publish an individual page publicly to the web. And there are a bunch of services that will put your domain in front of it and make it look like that page or that page and all the pages behind it are your website. And that is fantastic for people who want to edit their website almost like a Word document, you know, like, like you're reading it because you can just type and edit and change it and it all happening in real time. I'll put some links to the services that do that best. Some mm. of them are a bit spendy and there's one or two that work quite well. So I'll put some links there, but you could check that out. Obviously, you know, there are website builders like Wix and Squarespace and things mm. like that. Mm. Something else thought that you could try as well is if you're, we'll come back to this thought actually in a second, but if you're not content with just, and I'm doing my bunnies quotes here, having a social media profile, Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn, depending on, you know, whether your business, you know, or personal kind of presence. If you're just having those online, something else you can do, which lets you write short blog entries and have static pages, which could then be syndicated out to social media sites is something called microblog, micro.blog. And that's a really simple blogging engine. Mm. It's, it's built on what's called indie web technologies, which do allow it to share out your content to various different places and, and federate with other different systems. And that's all very exciting and cool and hipster. And we could do a whole show on that, but actually ignore all that. It's a way to have a nice static page that says, you know, Ben's website and then simple updates where I might, you know, sort of Twitter style or blog style updates I might put in, but then I don't have to go and repost those to Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter because that publishing engine will do it for me. Mm. And it's just a nice and simple way to have a presence that's just a bit richer than just a Facebook or a Twitter profile. And actually for me, shutting down my Facebook profile was one of the things that made me go and make the effort mm. to have my own website, even though it's not something I'm using day in, day out, because I wanted that personal presence. I wanted that identity online that wasn't sort of basically built in somebody else's backyard. Because when Facebook did stuff I didn't like, I could shut down my profile, 
without losing that identity. You know, people could still find me online. Yes. Okay, but here is an interesting one. What is Rafe Blanford going to do now? Okay, because, you know, as the chief product officer at one of Europe's leading, you know, the, the leading digital agency. Right, yes. Okay, thank you. He's going to have to do something. So what's the quickest fix? What would you do, Ben? I get a simple one-page website up, and I quite like hard for that, but I know Rafe Blanford, and Rafe Blanford is not a man to be trifled with. He wants to do it himself. So I think, actually, if you Google one-page websites, there's a whole bunch of products and apps and templates. You could just find a one-page website, as his website does now. Hello, I'm Rafe. Here's the links to my sites. Here's some information about me. Here's a picture of me less than 15 years ago. (laughs) You know, something like that. And if you fancy building your own, lots of the places that will sell you WordPress templates and those sorts of things will also sell you one-page website templates, which you can then customize, but it means you don't have to do lots of hand cranking or something like that. And if Rafe doesn't want to spend any effort on you know customizing it, or if you just want something that is hosted somewhere else, it's just no hassle at all. I would say you know check out Microblog or something like that. They're very cheap. It gives you some space to grow, and it also means you can link up all the other services as well. So you're not sort of pretending that you exist in lots of different isolated bubbles. But yeah, I you know I think it's just really interesting that we've all defaulted to having our own domain names. We've all got domain names we're happy with, like, mm. you know, close to our names. But I was thinking the other day about my son, who's got a name that lots and lots and lots of other people have. You know, yes. He's got a surname of Smith and a fairly, you know, fairly popular first name. That's going to be challenging. I was thinking, like, should I go and buy his, a domain for him? Should I go and try and start to create an identity? Not to put anything on it, but just to sort of reserve it for him. I've got domain names for all of the children. Yeah, that doesn't really scale. So I'm sort of curious how you could start to do that, how you could have your place on the web or whether I should just stop worrying about it. And by the time he's old enough for it to matter, there'll be something more than a domain name to worry about. Probably, yeah. So we should move on. We're out of time, but I'm, I'm curious. Send us your personal websites. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Not just the ones you're proud of. Send us the ones that you really have been meaning to update for ages. The Rafe Bland pretty equivalents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the ones that you spent loads of time on, but never then actually used after you spent hours building it. Or the one that's half finished. Because I'd, I'd love to see how people represent themselves online. Because the other thing we've assumed through this conversation, that you find someone through Google. We don't bother with business cards. We don't bother with any you know, email signatures. We don't bother with QR codes or any of those other things that we've talked about over time. Mm. Uh, you know, And there was a whole bunch of services keyed around those. You know, Just send us them. I'd love to see them. Or let us know that you choose not to have one, which I suppose is the other angle. Right, gents. So last episode of the season. Yay. We're going to have a few weeks off and then we'll be back with season 19. It's been an odd one. What? What with lockdown and everything. Oh, right. Okay. Well, I haven't been able to see Rafe Blanford face to face. So I've missed my Rafe Blanford fix. Thanks for that. I yeah. know. He's looking sad. I've missed my Ben Smith fix. There we go. I've missed seeing you in person, but it's been fun to carry on doing it. Hello. Yeah. And you're here too. Thanks for that, guys. Yeah. Other presenters are available. Thanks for that. You swanned off years ago. I got used to not seeing you. Okay. Do let us have your questions. Uh, we're going to do one question, three answers. So if you've got some burning question you'd like to know, or you would want some opinions on products, services, ideas, things you should do, things you shouldn't do, we're open to all kinds of things as long as it's broadly mobile related, then let us know. We're at 361 Podcast on Twitter. 361podcast.com for the website where you can comment publicly or you can find our contact details to contact us in private. Thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon to help with the cost of production. 
If you'd like to help support the cost of producing the show, 361podcast.com slash support. It's all the details. You can support us from $1 per episode. If you can't at the moment, and that's absolutely fine, because I know a lot of people are finding it hard during lockdown, then go to iTunes, please, or another podcast directory and leave us a review. That will drive more people to listen to the show, and that will be ace as well. We'd really appreciate it. Right, gentlemen, thank you very much, and we will be back for season 19. Woohoo! Brilliant. I found that today. Love it. Rafe Blanford, you've put something in, um, the, in the, the follow-up topics. Indeed I did, yes. Um, and I will now desperately try to find what it was. Uh, no, it was me that put it in. Oh, I was going to say, I don't actually remember doing one. <laughs> I was just like, hang on a minute, Ben, I didn't put anything in. What are you saying? I thought you were just wanting me to talk about one of yours. Okay. No, but I think it's a Pavlovian response that I think we need to it keep was. in the podcast here. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And you can see him right. doing his... Um, Let's try this again, Ben. Spinning. I own your brain, Rafe Blanford. I can make you say anything. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, we should move on. Um, okay, so now a segment entitled Stuff That Matters More Now We're At Home, which is clumsy, mm. but you and McLeod, explain to us where the genesis of this segment came from. Do you know what? I'm not entirely sure where it came from because we were talking earlier, thinking about um, you know now now we're spending so much time at home, um, and you know therefore things are we we are reacting differently to to things, and um, we were prompted then by um, by good old Mister Blamford who is yawning as I speak here. Thanks for that, Rafe. Very kind of you. Um, I mean that was like the worst pickup of a slinky link from Ben from you ever. Urine. A slinky link. Oh, I thought we were talking about magazines. Okay, right, fine. Okay. No, right. but magazines was Rafe's thing. Remember, we had three things we were doing more. You were okay, going to... but we, yeah, you didn't brief me on that. So do you remember now? Do you have the brief now? Okay, I'm briefed now. Right, thank you. Go on then. Throw me the link or whatever they say in TV. Go throw something somewhere. <laughs> I could shut down my profile without losing that identity. You know, people could still find me online. Yes. Excellent. And that's killed the conversation. <laughs> well, no, you just stop speaking. You can just find me online. All right. Thanks for that, Ben. That's really... Okay, but here is an interesting one. What is... Right. Rafe hasn't said anything, which means he spent the last half an hour writing up the script. No, it's zero takes McLeod. Oh, oh, here we go. Here we go. Right then. Okay, should we do it? Give it a pass. Yeah. Right. Ready? Go. Hello and welcome to 361, a podcast about mobile tech and the world around it. My name is Ewan McLeod, and this week we're talking about TikTok, great apps to help us in lockdown, and we discuss our online profiles. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> come on, come on. But do it one more time, just a little bit more upbeat. Hello and welcome. And then Mark will have two to choose from. And don't stumble on 361. What? And stumble on 361. Hello and welcome to 361, a podcast about mobile tech and the world around it. My name's Ewan McLeod. And this week we're talking about TikTok, great apps to help us in lockdown, and we discuss our online profiles. That'll do. Oh, thanks for that. Hello and welcome to 361. I was about to quibble about the magazines not being apps, but I think they're Rafe Blanford's apps. Exactly. Yeah. Since when has accuracy got in the way of a good urine introduction? What? Exactly. That was zero takes. Zero takes. Yeah. So now I can pour my sparkling water, right, because we're finished. Right. 
<laughs> nice bit of foley. You could do an end of season joke. Just get over with one. Oh, God, I had some good jokes this week. Um, oh, I was just sitting here earlier and a book hit me on the uh, head. I've already got my shelf to blame. Uh, oh. okay. yeah. Thanks for that. <sighs> there was another one. Let me just find it. Why are books afraid of their sequels? Uh, it's because something following up. Go on. Because they always come after them. Ah, uh, okay. That's good. That's good. A horse walks into a bar and orders a pint. Barkeeper says, you're in here pretty often. Do you think you might be an alcoholic? And the horse replies, I don't think I am, and vanishes. See, it's a Descartes joke. I think therefore I am. Thing is, <laughs> you have to explain the rest of the joke. <laughs> See, it's a Descartes joke, the famous philosophy, I think, therefore I am. But you have to explain the rest of the joke first. Oh, dear God. I've tried to parse it poorly. Hmm. Go on. Okay. See, it's a Descartes joke. It's about the famous philosophy, I think, therefore I am. But if you explain that before the rest of the joke, that would be putting Descartes before the horse. Uh, That's good. That's good. That's good. (laughs) You shouldn't have taken that many attempts to get the joke out. (laughs) What's a rabbit's favourite novel? Bunny something. War and Peace. Oh, very good. You mentioned high-end orange juice in the show. What's your definition of high-end orange juice? Waitrose or Marks and Spencer's, freshly squeezed. Mm, okay. I, I thought you had a man for that. Obviously. I mean, that goes without saying, Ben. Obviously. But that's only in the countryside, not in the city. So do you actually mean produced in front of you? Because freshly squeezed isn't that fresh. No, I mean, I do produce it myself when I want to have a really nice one. Would you get yourself an orange juice machine? Ben said it, I- Waffles, I'll have a freshly squeezed uh, orange juice, please. Waffles. And Waffles goes, <laughs> yep, right away. <laughs> in case you're wondering, Mark, Waffles is a wicker dog that lives with me in London. Shows again. So that Mark can see it. <laughs> Do you think, I mean, like we're an hour and 49 minutes in. Right. Mark at this point is probably cursing us. Probably had enough. No, but it's the last one for a little while. He can relax. Two fish sitting in a tank. Uh-oh. One says to the other one, how do you start this thing? <laughs> That's good. I like that. My mate at work sent me this one. He says, uh, I own the world's worst thesaurus. Not only is it awful, it's awful. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything we need to say to Mark? Something like, you know, thank you. You know, lots of love. Awesome, Mark. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) 